A Mucky Business with Tim Farron. Hello and welcome. I'm Tim Farron and this is the show where you get to hear from a Christian politician about how they live out their faith in the mucky business of politics. You might well think that politics is tainted by compromise and sin. And yeah, you'd be right. But then again, so is everything else since the fall. And I think Christians should be praying for their brothers and sisters who are in politics in an informed way. Today, we're talking about Northern Ireland, particularly the violence over the last fortnight and what's different about being an MP in a country that has seen such division. Our guest is the MP for Strangford, Jim Shannon. When John Burko, the previous House of Commons speaker, left his role, he said of Jim, he radiates warmth, empathy and compassion. He is one of those people of faith who does not spend time preaching it, he lives it something I am sure you will pick up on as we speak to Jim later. Well, before we do, here's Cara Bentley with a roundup of some of the recent news. Well, over the Easter weekend, there were a couple of news stories that involved the church and politics. The first was the Catholic service, which was interrupted by police on Good Friday. They were saying that not everyone was wearing masks nor social distancing, although the church said that it was abiding by the rules. The police stopped the service, told them the gathering was unlawful and that they needed to go home or risk being fined. Well, now the police have told the church they deeply regretted the upset caused and that there has been significant reflection and learning. Another story that got picked up on was the Labour leader's apology for visiting a church. Now, I interviewed Sir Keir Starmer just before he apologised and he told me that Jesus House Church in North London had done great community work with the vaccine rollout. The following day, a video of that visit was released with many online claiming without evidence that the church supported conversion therapy, something the pastor has denied previously and since, and also criticising the church for taking a traditional biblical understanding of marriage, which they do take. Starmer then apologised for visiting, causing Christians across the country to wonder if he'll ever visit their church again because it wasn't clear if he was denouncing the church's views on marriage or their alleged views on conversion therapy. Now, many Christians do not support conversion therapy, but many of those same churches will teach conservatively on marriage, so it came across a bit religiously illiterate. Tim, there's been a fair amount of other political news this week, including one that's involved the previous Prime Minister, David Cameron. What's your take on that? Well, it has indeed. The, the former Prime Minister, David Cameron, has been lobbying government ministers on behalf of a finance company called Greensill Capital. Now, whether anybody broke any rules, we don't yet know. But this affair has raised enough concern for Number 10 to launch a review that will be conducted by lawyer Nigel Boardman on behalf of the Cabinet Office. Chancellor Rishi Sunak has published a text exchange he had with David Cameron on this matter. And Health Secretary Matt Hancock has said that while he did have a drink with Mr Cameron and Lex Greensill in 2019, he behaved in an entirely correct way. And government spokespeople say that all this shows that they're being open and taking the accusations seriously and reviewing them. And I can see their point. Labour's Rachel Reeves said that this was the government trying to kick accusations of bad behaviour into the long grass. I can see her point too, because having a review that will presumably take weeks or months does allow the government to make this difficult story disappear from the headlines in the hope that everyone will have forgotten about the affair before too long. Even without this review, we currently know that the former Prime Minister was a paid advisor for a firm and that he used his contacts with current ministers to talk to them on behalf of that firm. In this case, we don't yet know whether there is formal guilt, 
But in general, we really should care about integrity in leadership. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 21 tells us we should take pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of people. Titus 2 verse 7 tells us more why this matters. In everything, set them an example by doing good. And Proverbs 21 verse 3 explains that to do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. In other words, do the right thing. Be seen to do the right thing and especially be seen to do the right thing when you are a powerful person. I don't want to moralise or be pompous or partisan here. All have sinned and all have the offer of forgiveness full and free. But Christians, while we should be gentle and forgiving, are not called to be neutral when it comes to how we see integrity in public life and especially in leadership. When someone comes to see their MP in their surgery and asks them to lobby the government to ensure more affordable homes get built or farmers get a fair price for their environmental work or asylum seekers are treated with dignity, MPs should help them. We shouldn't give special treatment to those who have got enough money to pay a lobbyist to fight their corner, including a company that has a lobbyist who used to be prime minister. I cannot see how that is just, fair or equitable. In recent times, we have seen examples of senior ministers found guilty of bullying and of making favourable government decisions to large party donors. And in neither of those cases have there been any serious consequences for those ministers. At the risk of sounding like my dad, in the good old days, ministers would have resigned on the spot for this sort of thing, or at least been sacked if they wouldn't have gone on their own accord. Now, the government strategy seems to be that if you can tough it out for a few days, then the media and the public will get bored and the offending minister can just stay put. If we believe in justice, then we must say that even politicians are innocent unless proved guilty. But if it's clear that there is guilt, and if we care at all about integrity and leadership, then politicians must be held accountable no matter how senior they are or were. A Mucky Business with Tim Farron. This week on the show, we're talking about Northern Ireland, how its politics is different from the rest of the UK and how we should respond to the recent violence in Belfast. Here to discuss this is Jim Shannon, who's been a DUP MP for Strangford since 2010. He has a reputation for joining in as many debates as possible to bring attention to issues raised by backbenchers, recently joining in a debate of 50 years of Coronation Street. He's passionate about his faith. He frequently brings glory to God without shame in the House of Commons. Let's start with the most important thing. Tell me a little bit about how you became a Christian. Um, I've been a Christian for a great many years, so I have them. As an eight-year-old, um, in, in my village in Ballywater, where I've uh, uh, lived, probably most of my life. Uh, we always had children's meetings back in the 60s, the 63 would have been actually. Um, there was a, a Scots guy come over and had the children's meeting. And our village, and, and I suspect in those days, and maybe in every village in those days, when you had children's meetings, lots and lots, every child in the village came to the meeting. Um, there was uh, literally uh, probably over 100 children at it. And in between uh, playing the, the crossword game, games and, and, and battleships, et cetera. So that probably ages me a wee bit, Tim, because uh, 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 people are going to say, well, what was that game? You know, it, it, uh, it's the game that we played. Uh, and he told us a story because there's always a message. Um, and we called him Uncle Dan, by the way. Uh, I'm not sure really why we called him Uncle Dan, but I suppose because he was that sort of a, a father-like figure. And he told us we needed to be uh, saved and born again. Uh, and as an eight-year-old, um, he certainly made an impression on me. And uh, whenever I left the the, um, uh, the the hall to go back down home again, the first thing I did was lean down beside uh, my bed in, in the house at Main Street in Bally Walter, mm. which looked over the shore. Uh, and I asked the Lord Jesus to come into my heart. It's a, it was a, a very um, 
uh, something that even as an eight-year-old I was desirous to do uh, and, and had to um, make that uh, agreement with my Lord and Saviour uh, mm. for eternal life. So as an eight-year-old, a wee boy, but a wee boy that understood that he had to be saved uh, and that he's a sinner, uh, which of course I was. Uh, so so I've um, um, been on that road since eight-year-old and now I'm uh, 66, so you can work out how long that is. You know? right, but that, isn't that powerful? And isn't it a reminder that... Um, God's never deaf to any prayer and also you know as Jesus says we should have the, the faith of a child and that's something we carry with us all of our lives or at least we should strive to to go um, uh, needily if you like um, uh, lovingly and openly to our to our mm. saviour but it's a remarkable account of um, a commitment to Jesus made very young mm. and the fact that God has been faithful to that prayer all the way through your life to this stage and we know beyond as well we haven't got time to go through all the things we'd love to so i'm going to really fast track forward you know, okay. a, few, a few decades to potentially another answered prayer so you're involved in politics you're a councillor for uh, well over 20 years you're a member of the northern ireland legislative assembly for i think 12 years or so and then you became the mp for strangford in 2010 and <clears throat> you had to go through a, a short listing and selection process for your local party before you became the mp but that that kind of was an answer to prayer too. something miraculous mm. seemed to happen didn't it tell us a little bit about that yeah yeah um, um I'm, I'm a great believer in prayer um i, I believe in prayer and I'm, i believe I, i've always prayed to the lord jesus and asked him to guide me and whether well, whatever it may be every morning i pray for lots and lots of people but i also pray for it he will guide me so uh, the the selection meeting um the, the previous uh, incumbent had stepped down and numbers of people had, had expressed a wish to be the mp um i i probably hadn't maybe given it maybe that much thought uh because people have said to me look jim i think it'd be good for you if you run and i says well I think before I do anything, I'm going to pray about it. And I'm going to say, Lord Jesus, if you want me to be the MP, you make it happen. So mm -hmm. the, the, there was a number of people who had expressed an interest. It was already quite interesting. Um, and, and, and the story becomes more interesting as I, as I move to the association uh, dinner, or association where they, they picked up the candidate or made the decision on the candidate. Everyone fell out. Everyone dropped out. And in the, la in the morning of the association meeting where you were making your presentation and the association was going to pick you uh, or pick a candidate, the last mm. person who would be an old colleague of mine and friend at 11 a.m. want me to tell me he was withdrawing his name. So here I was asking, Lord, show me what you want me to do. Do you want me to be the MP? Uh, and, 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 and I was totally, totally dependent uh, on him for that guidance. And there was nobody there. But I didn't really realise that, you know, what was happening. It was the association meeting that night. And I was making my presentation because you have to be endorsed by the association, 51%. It turned out it was unanimous, but it was going to be unanimous. I suppose to be fair anyway. But halfway through my speech, I suddenly realised what was <laughs> happening. I was like, it, it, it was all happening, but I, I didn't know what was happening, if you know what I mean. I, I, that sounds a bit, a bit maybe uh, uh, Irish, perhaps, you know, but uh, I, I just all of a sudden, halfway through that speech, I realised all of a sudden, Jim, you've been selected. You're running for Westminster. Yes. And uh, that was an incredible guidance from my uh, Lord and Saviour. So we, we, we also then committed ourselves to, as we did, because Naomi, as she's my PPS, she's also mm. a Christian girl. And her and I said, well, now what can we do at Westminster? You know, but I think everyone going, going to ask me some of those things. But uh, it was great. Well, we'll come uh, into that. You know, the, the Lord made it happen and he made yeah. it happen.
Yeah. Absolutely amazing, really. Uh, just a, a word for the listeners there is that God always answers prayer. He doesn't always answer it quite so clearly as that. No. <laughs> <laughs> you, stand, you stand for election and all the other candidates drop out. Now, that's a very clear answer to prayer. Uh, and it's yeah. He did that. Well, we're talking about Northern Ireland, being a Christian, being a politician uh, mm. with Jim Shannon. Uh, Jim, it's been amazing talking to you about your childhood and about how you ended up in politics. Tell me a little bit about what it is to be a member of parliament in Northern Ireland today, particularly given we've seen some unsettling scenes in the last few weeks with violence and disturbance. How can you manage to speak into all sides of the local community as a as a member of parliament and as a Christian at a time like this? Obviously, I'm a member of the Democratic Unionist Party, so my, my tradition is unionist. Um, I live in an area, I'm very fortunate to tend to live where I live, because uh, I live in an area where, where the population, where it's probably the largest population of, of those of a different religion in, in the Arch Peninsula where I live. But I've always had, we've always had good relations, good uh, relations between the communities, both politically, both religiously. So I've been fortunate in that. My mum and dad, um, I'm a member of all the Orange uh, um, and Loyalist organisations, because uh, that's part of my culture, my tradition. But I've always had a, a hard work ethic. I think social um, um, issues were always ones that I interested in. So at an early age, uh, I was uh, keen to to pursue those matters, and I did pursue those. I I had a reputation as one who people can call upon. So I I did and do have support from uh, uh, both sides of the community. Because you're of a different religion doesn't mean that you aren't a unionist. You know, mm. so so we, we we've got to remember that. So and whenever I get elected, the last time, one of the things I said, you know, I says I'm a member of the Democratic Unionist Party, but I'm everybody's MP, mm. uh, and I want you to know that, and I want you to know that you can come to me, and people do. That's good. So it's always been very very good to have that opportunity. Your surgeries, when you are able to physically hold them, they contain people from. Uh, all traditions Catholic tradition as well yeah yeah oh very much so I mean I mean I'm, um, and I, tell you, I never really would ask and I never ask anybody oh. who they are because it doesn't matter to me uh, yeah. what's, what's important is you need help if I can help yeah. you at will and in these current circumstances obviously they're very troubling um, yeah. how are you able to as a Christian sort of speak or how should Christians as a whole maybe that's a better way of looking at it mm-hmm. how should we think about this what should we be praying for when it comes to the current disturbances in in Northern Ireland? There's certainly a a deep undercurrent of of frustration, of anger, um, and it is spilling over. My duty as a representative and also uh, on behalf of my constituents is to represent their viewpoint, which we've done because we're unhappy with the Northern Ireland Protocol. Uh, we're unhappy with um, other other issues that happened, for instance, the Bobby Story funeral. Our Queen uh, and Saturday will have 30 people at her funeral. Uh, Bobby's story had 2,000, you know, so you can understand the, the palatable anger that there is. So I believe my job as a, as a Christian uh, uh, is to pray and urge others to pray uh, that, that um, people will not get dragged into uh, uh, violence on the street because it's very clear to me that, and I condemn it wholeheartedly, but I also make it a point of, and I phoned the chief superintendent and, and, and of the police in my area just last uh, Saturday, uh, and I assured him of my full support uh, for his officers on the ground. We haven't had any violence in Newton Ards and mm-hmm. the Strangford area. Uh, it's a different area. It's a different people, if I have to say, Tim. But mm-hmm. we do have frustration. But I, I think that the, it's up to us to ensure that that frustration doesn't boil over and turn into violence. So uh, as a representative, I do that. But as a, as a Christian, we pray 
for our province. We pray for guidance and, and how we respond to the political issues that are, are, are brought before us. I ask every day for wisdom and knowledge. Wow. I, 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 if anybody needs wisdom and knowledge, I need it. And I pray for that every day. And I ask the Lord to give me that wisdom and knowledge so that I can, I can um, serve him in the way that he wants me to. But there are my constituency, uh, the people are fairly not prone to violence, if that's the way to put it. Uh, yeah. Therefore, uh, for my constituency, we don't have that problem. But we, we also have to represent everyone's viewpoint. So we try to do that as well. Well, Jim, I know when we spoke earlier, your passion for serving your community is very clear. But also, mm. if you got into politics, as you were hinting at earlier on, talking to mm. uh, your assistant, who's also a Christian, about what good can we do now we're an MP uh, mm-hmm. after 2010? And something that I'm very, if you hadn't told me this already, I'd have seen it and observed it just from knowing you. Mm. Uh, a real passion on your heart is the is for the persecuted church around the world for all that can be a struggle sometimes living as a Christian in the United Kingdom, it's kind of nothing compared to the uh, real persecution, life-threatening persecution often that's experienced around the world by many of our brothers and sisters. Tell me a little bit about how you think Christians listening to this programme can encourage the government to do the right thing and pray into um, particular situations when it comes to the experience of the persecuted church around the world and what it is that you're doing at the moment uh, in in that cause. Yeah. In, in 2010, when we got elected, Naomi and I t- discussed, you know, how do we um, um, serve our Lord and Savior in, in, at Westminster? Uh, and we and her and I both and many many others had a had a real burden for the for the Christian Church. So uh, my, my party um, at that time, we we, we got a. Um, um, one of our debates, and I said to Wally McRae, the whip at that time, I said, Wally, when do we have a debate on the persecuted church? Uh, and in 2012, we had that, and we introduced it in the, in the floor of the House. Um, mostly, um, um, in fairness, probably conservatives who participated, but a couple of Labour. Um, the minister uh, at that time perhaps didn't really grasp what we were saying. Uh, and, and, and each Conservative MP that spoke said that this is about the persecuted Christians. Uh, and at, at, at last, the minister got it. And perhaps we set the, the scene after that. Elizabeth Berridge, who's now um, mm. a government spokesperson in the House of Lords, she approached me and says, Jim, would you be interested and could we together um, form a, a new APPG on freedom of religious belief, which we did. Uh, we prayed about it, as we always do, uh, and we felt that that was the Lord's leading, uh, and we did that. We now have almost 140 uh, members from the House of Lords and the House of Commons, all deeply interested, and there's a greater interest, Tim, now ever there was amongst MPs, because I'm quite sure that the MPs are getting uh, emails from their constituents. Um, I have um, some, I think it's some, some 90 churches in my constituency, and I uh, usually try and give them uh, every every fortnight or every month, uh, I give them a, a, um, um, an account of what's happening at Westminster and those issues. And all the churches, whether they be Church of Ireland, Presbyterian, Methodist, Roman Catholic, uh, Brethren, whatever they are, they get that that uh, account of what we do at Westminster. So for me, it's about it's about speaking up for Christians, but it's also for speaking up for those who aren't Christians and for those who who have no faith at all. Uh, and I do that because I believe that my Lord and Savior, your Lord and Savior. Uh, uh, it, it has tasked us with uh, with promoting him and my God, our God loves everybody and he wants them all to be saved uh, and, and, and I'm hoping that that will be the message that they will get uh, and the message that they will yearn for. So so when it comes to speaking up on human rights issues, I'm going to be doing it shortly for the, Chinese, the, the Uyghur uh, and Chinese because some of my constituents have contacted me 
but but uh, we, we have to be a voice for the voices. I've said that so often, mm. but it's a true word. Uh, he, what a chance, what an opportunity to speak to the foreign Commonwealth uh, Department officer, minister, secretary of state, um, to speak for a Christian who you may never meet in this world, mm. but who uh, we, we will meet in heaven. And, mm. and, and, and to do those, and, uh, those things uh, in a way that we can glorify God, number one, uh, but we can also be the voice for people we may never meet in this world. Uh, Jim, you do that. It's very clear, uh, not just from your passion in what you're saying now, but from what you do week after week in the House of Commons mm-hmm. and from your constituency. So we're going to draw things to a close there and just say, I think you've given us a great picture of how Christians can get involved in this. You spoke about people writing to you mm-hmm. uh, about the Uyghurs uh, in China and how people have brought that to your attention. So please write to your MP, but also mm-hmm. pray into these situations as well. And we've obviously our, our mutual friend, Fiona Bruce, who is the yeah. Prime Minister's um, envoy on uh, freedom of religion and uh, belief. Uh, she's somebody who is on behalf of all of us, on behalf of the government, seeking to speak into these issues and to increase the profile of those who are persecuted because of what they believe, whatever that might be. So, Jim, it's been an absolute pleasure having you. I look forward to uh, seeing you on the green benches relatively soon. Those of you who don't know, Jim sits behind me normally, has an avuncular word for everyone, and for a brief period of time, I'm more her suit than you, but it won't last, Jim. Your tash suits you. I'm not sure mine beard suits me, but (laughs) God bless you, Jim. Have a great day. Thank you very much. God bless. Keep safe and look after yourself. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. A Mucky Business with Tim Farron. This is your chance to ask me anything about being a Christian in politics. It could be ethical, political or personal. This week, we've got a question from Naomi, which is kind of personal. Um, As an MP, you obviously have to vote on things and make decisions that not everyone is going to like, particularly on issues that are really polarising. So I'm just wondering how you cope with um, at times being unpopular or disliked uh, by those who disagree with you. These are always good questions, Cara, but this is a spectacularly good question, I think, because it gets the heart of what I think is the biggest temptation that politicians face. And it's it's the temptation of vanity. Somebody once said that politics is showbiz for ugly people. You know, so politicians are kind of needy and need attention. And maybe I'm overstating it for some people a little bit. So it's not just that politicians want to be liked and loved because that's how they get reelected. I think also there's a, there's a need, a, a deep human need for, for affection. We all have that. Um, but I think politicians probably have it in a more extreme variety than others. And surely the answer for a Christian like myself is to um, to accept offence so that people disagree with me. I can cope with if people decide that they don't like me personally, especially if they did beforehand because of something that's changed in my the position they found out about or something that I have, that can really be wounding and upsetting. And I think we're not called to be Stoics as Christians. So I think, you know, we should we should feel that and be hurt by it and take it to God. And remember that human affection is something that we all crave and it's kind of built within us. Um, but we need to make sure that we remember that we are secure in only one relationship. And that's the one we have with God through Jesus Christ and and feel absolutely confident in that. Um, the great preacher and writer Selwyn Hughes once said something I found really moving, which is that we as Christians should walk humbly with our God, but we should walk at our full height, remembering whose child we are. If you have a question for Tim, email farron at premier.org.uk. Well, as we come to the end of this week's show, let's pray together. 
loving Heavenly Father, we bring to you Northern Ireland. We thank you for Jim Shannon and all of those uh, who represent people in Westminster and in the Northern Ireland Legislative Assembly. Uh, and we pray for togetherness. We pray for peace. Uh, we pray for understanding. We thank you for Jim's work. We thank you for Michelle O'Neill, the Sinn Féin Deputy First Minister of Northern Ireland, who tweeted her condolences to Her Majesty the Queen, which for a Republican politician is a really almost bold and unifying thing to do. We want to thank you for her and we want to just pray um, for unity in Northern Ireland and for peace centred upon gospel truth. And we pray also for Her Majesty the Queen as she grieves the loss of her husband, the Duke of Edinburgh. We lift her up to you. We thank you that she puts her trust in you. Um, and we just thank you that, that uh, she is a great witness to the whole country that she would continue to be for many years. And we pray for the whole of that family and for our country that we will be unified in this time of national grief. And Father, we do pray for integrity amongst politics, amongst our leaders, that even when it would do us harm, uh, that our leaders and politicians would do what is right in your sight. And indeed, as uh, our leaders from no faith, as well as those who do have faith, we pray that they would be religiously literate, that they would be tolerant of people who are of faith, in particular, of course, Christians, that we might be a, a society that is truly plural, truly liberal and truly tolerant. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, next week, we'll be speaking to Nick Fletcher, the Conservative MP for Don Valley in Yorkshire. I'm Tim Farron. Thanks so much for listening. You can listen to the podcast of this programme online by searching for A Mucky Business. Don't forget, if you have any questions you'd like to put to Tim in a future show, email farron at premier.org.uk.